0: If it was a crime to tell other people about Jesus, would you be guilty? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? That theoretical question has been asked many times in the Western Church. It's even been the subject of popular songs. But when John Short found himself detained by officials in North Korea, the question was very real. He looks back and remembers what his interrogators said.
1: You committed the crime of carrying Bible literature into China. And I said, yes, I I admit this is a crime against their law. Your second crime is that you want more and more North Koreans to believe in Jesus. I said, yes, I'm guilty. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them he sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.
0: You know, the holidays can get stressful, and if you're like me, we get busy, and sometimes we're put into contact with what you might call difficult people. Today, we're gonna hear a story that will put those trials into perspective. Our guest this week is John Short, who knows what it's like to be detained in North Korea. Now, most of the North Koreans who go into the prison system don't come out, but John Short did, and he's gonna share that story with us. We shared John's story earlier this year, but I know we've added many radio stations since then, and I want those listeners to have a chance to hear this one of the best stories that we shared in the year 2016. So on this best of 2016 edition of Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we're gonna hear again this
1: interview with John Short, who was detained in North Korea. It's a pleasure to uh, be here, having many years of association with VOM workers from Australia and also from the United States
0: talk about the morning when you went to the buddhist temple the morning eventually that you would be questioned and then subsequently detained what what happened that led up to that
1: we were taken on a a car trip to the top of a mountain and on this mountaintop is a buddhist temple so we arrived at the buddhist temple to the dismay of our minders someone had the previous night, broken in to the temple, had broken the door, had gone in and ransacked the cupboards, but had also, in disapproval, had turned the Buddha from his pedestal down onto, onto its face. So this was a moment of great embarrassment. But I still offered a donation for repair of the door to the keeper. But the minders, uh, our minders, felt that this was not appropriate and so we were shunted away from there. I immediately, with my helper, my Chinese helper, separated myself from them and went down the side of the hill distributing my Bible tracts, leaving them where I could. Subsequently, these were discovered Everyone's movement is noted, and so it was deduced that it must have been me that had left these Bible tracks there. So that evening they came to the hotel to investigate us.
0: So at that point, they just came to your hotel room, they're asking questions. Did you think, you know, they're going to ask me a few questions and then they're, I'm going to be put on a plane and sent out of here? Or did you think, uh-oh, this is, this is really bad news?
1: Uh, they made a condition that night. If I would divulge my contact, my friend, a Korean in Hong Kong, a residential situation, if I were prepared to divulge the name of this Korean, there would be no problem, I would be let go. But they also gave me a warning that if the name was not revealed, we would not be released next day so i decided that i could release the name of the the dear brother who had helped me because i did not know his full career name i only knew him as paul beck and uh, this troubled them and yet it was enough to give his assurance that there is no problem, you will be able to leave tomorrow morning uh, 7 o'clock, uh, you check out of the hotel, and 9 o'clock is the one flight out of, out of Pyongyang.
0: And so then the next morning you pack your bag, you're ready to go, and then what
1: happens? We were packed, ready to go, seated in the, the, the car down below at the uh, hotel door, and then suddenly the uh, public security descended upon us and said, you cannot leave. So we were taken inside, and you must realize that on entrance into Pyongyang, your passport and your telephones are taken away. They still had not given the passport for us to carry to the airport.
0: What, what was kind of going through your mind when they said, OK, get out of the car and come back in with us?
1: Yes, one immediately rethinks the, the pathway that we've chosen and questions that, am I being cavalier? Am I being careless, or is this the the true path of a believer, uh, a witness for Christ? And I must admit that from that moment, right through, even through the very arduous investigations and eventually at their court level under the two uh, disarming photos of their two previous leaders, I can tell you that a chorus that I'd been taught many years before, 30 years before, by Alan Yoon. Never fear, he is near. You'll be safe all the way to heaven's home. And the scripture in Hebrews remained with me daily. That is that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Therefore, there is no need to fear what man will do to you. Amazingly, when you're detained, when you're imprisoned, you're very conscious that prayer is all around you. We, we cannot see the angelic help, but you are certainly being uh, protected and uh, supported by prayer and angelic present with you. So
0: they take you back into the hotel. You're now, they're asking more questions was it more of the same who translated this what's going on or or kind of how did their questioning progress over the time that you were there
1: i was taken from the initial hotel that we stayed in from the first interview to another locality for the system in north korea is that the hotels are totally run by the government in those hotels they also have in the back sections of them they have uh, detention areas immediately i was put under 24/7 guards two guards were with me every moment of the day the shifts would change at the most awkward hours always at 2 in the morning food was offered to me which i ate for the first 3 days quite good food if you like kimchi and and small uh, catfish uh, and so forth but hours in the morning 3 4 hours investigation in the morning and again uh, after lunch another 3 or 4 hours in the in the afternoon thankfully nothing at night the investigations were always conducted by the same gentleman he was simply called the investigator i was tutored how to stand and to bow to him on his entrance into the room, which, of course, as Christians, we know we should show full deference to those that are in authority. The initial interviews were very harsh. The Korean language can be very strident, very harsh. <sighs> but then his appointed interpreter was inadequate and so they then appointed a second interpreter who, was, uh, who had studied in America and was quite, uh, quite excellent at, at his work. One particularly odious and difficult issue was in a previous statement I had declared and divulged that at the age of 24 I had boarded a ship and come to the only open port on the edge of China, Hong Kong, and that I've been there for all those years, uh, and that is my life's work, uh, witnessing for Christ in, in China. I felt of God called to this ministry. 24 years of age I came, so I was given a sheet of paper that I should declare and make a statement for every year, for 24 years, what had I done, where was I for each of those years. Now, uh, dear friend, listening today, can you you divulge what you did every year for the first 20 odd years of your life? It was extremely uh, difficult because one knows one must not lie to a communist because one lie will unravel the whole situation. So it was a very painful exercise.
0: So they, at least in that particular session, they were more interested in your early life in Australia than they were in what you do in Hong Kong, in, which is gospel work into restricted nations.
1: And I could see no rhyme nor reason for this until I discovered that their agents in, Amer- in uh, Australia checked on whether the address I had given my son resident in my home city whether that was true so they then would check on all that i'd said was it the truth these details of my life that normally we would think who would know what i do in one of the smaller cities of australia south australia adelaide
0: so you were 73 at the time they're going back almost 50 years and checking on I, I, you know, I think that's mind boggling to us that the reach of the North Koreans, the fact that they had somebody there to go to your son's house and ask is, you know, are you John Short's son? Do you live here? What's going on? Talk a little bit about how they then reported back to you. Yeah, we checked and, and you were telling the truth.
1: Uh, so I was quite astounded that having divulged to them that our ministry is supported by donations we do not merchandise in the literature that has been freely prepared, sponsored by others for China, for Burma, for Vietnam, for for Korea. I said to them that if you were to visit one of our warehouses, our major warehouse in, uh, in the new territories of Hong Kong, you'd walk in the door and you would see a box that says donation, free will offering to support the literature ministry, the very next day they said to me, we have investigated your statement and you've told the truth.
0: So within 24 hours, they had somebody in your office in Hong Kong looking at your donation box.
1: I discovered when my wife came to fetch me eventually from Beijing, she said to me, she remembered That uh, particular day previously, uh, a Korean-American lady working for South China Morning Post had come in very intrusively and had asked uh, a lot of questions, but had been shown that we uh, do not have headquarters in America, headquarters in Australia, headquarters in Germany, but that we are dependent upon these donations only.
0: So. In the course of these questions, was there threats? Was there promises? Was there, if you know, if you'll tell us the truth, we'll let you go? Or was it, hey, you're going to be here for years, we can lock you away and nobody will ever hear from you again?
1: One request I had made of them, only one, may I make a phone call to my wife to tell her that I am, well, this was this was denied me so the only request that I ever made was please may I make a phone call this was used as the threat to us to me that mr. short if you'll cooperate you will be able to join your wife I'm sure that you want to see your wife again and this was repeated again and again with the innuendo you surely want to see her, don't you? That eventually I felt the need to say to them, well, because you won't make... You will not permit me to make the phone call, then I won't ask it again because my wife knows that I love her, I know that she loves me, and if I never see her again, I'm still quite content with that. That seemed to annoy them even further. I decided when I realised they were denying any link to my loved ones outside, that I was totally at their mercy. The Lord then revealed to me the one avenue left to me was that I decide to fast. Fasting is not a problem to us, my wife and I practice it. Uh, Throughout the year, at uh, any point of crisis, we believe that give ourselves to prayer and to fasting. So from the occasion that they denied me any link, I decided that I no longer had an appetite for food. This subsequent action unnerved them to me. I then received probably the best medical attention that foreigners were receiving. Doctors attended, nurses attended me, checked my blood pressure, uh, checked whether I had sugar diabetes or any other any other uh, uh, health problem. And as each day went by, three days, five days, seven days, ten days, others would come and asked the minders could they come and see could they look in and see the strange foreigner who has fasted for so many days and has not fainted
0: it seems like they were worried about your health because they didn't want anything to go wrong with you because then they'd really have a problem so how did they how did they respond to that what did they say
1: through the interpreter who was the middleman for the investigator different relays of messages were passed on to me and that was that if i will cooperate with this if i will tell more of what i feel of the, um, the the current political situation uh in north korea to which on each occasion i said to them i have no political interest i'm interested in the gospel but of course as soon as i would say my work is god's work oh, don't mention god this was not to be brought into the conversation so The issue of uh, not eating uh, really troubled them because they found that I had some power that they did not have over over me.
0: One of the blessings of this was that they allowed you to keep your Bible. Uh, Talk a little bit about what that meant to you and, and how your times in God's word were different being detained than maybe they are on a normal day. Yeah.
1: On each occasion of entry into North Korea. I make a point of putting my Bible on the top, my personal Bible, on the top of my possessions before each entrance, uh, our possessions are investigated. The North Korean says, what's that? And I say, that's a Bible, that's my Bible. You can't take that into North Korea. I say, well then, if I can't take that in, I don't go in. Then you'll have to cancel my, my visit because I'm a Christian. I read my Bible every day. I need this with me because then they'll call in others and they have a little debate about it. And then they say, but we shouldn't let you carry it. I said, well, I need it. I have to have it. I feel it's a testimony to them in this. Then they will say, now, it will be recorded. You must bring this out again. You, I said. Well, it's an English Bible. I don't think Koreans would in, enjoy it as much as I do. It's my Bible. I give you my word. I will bring it out a, a, again. For that reason, I thank God. By taking that step, I was then able to keep it in my possession, even when detained for for the entire time.
0: What was your schedule like with the Bible? I mean, you had interrogations morning and afternoon. What were you doing the rest of the day to kind of feed yourself spiritually going through this time?
1: Yes, thankfully, uh, all those occasions where I wanted to have more time to read the Word of God were suddenly granted to me. I could read uh, Romans and John's Gospel and entire books of the Word of God, just read and read and read for my life, for my spiritual life.
0: Were there any passages that uh, maybe took on a new meaning while you're being
1: detained. Yes, I must admit that reading through the Psalms, just reading them right through, tremendous comfort in the reading of the the tribulation Psalms.
0: It's interesting that you say that because I'm my understanding is Sabina Wormbrand had basically memorized. The book of psalms in in the course of her life and would say the same thing when she was in prison the psalms were what really fed her spirit
1: on one occasion the uh, the second interpreter said to me you do realize don't you that your crime is punishable with a minimum of three years I said, Well, I've counted up and I'm now 70, and that will mean, well, I'll be nearly 80 by the time I come out. Oh, that's, that's bearable. Um, so he told me that they have come to the conclusion that you have three crimes. Uh, one is you committed the crime of carrying Bible literature into China. And I said, Yes, I, I admit this is a crime against their law. Number two, that your second crime is that you want more and more North Koreans to believe in Jesus. I said, yes, guilty. Third crime, you chose to give out those uh, Bible tracts near a Buddhist temple, no, in a Buddhist temple, which I always told them was not in, was outside. But you chose to do it, worst of all, on the birthday of of the previous Kim, Kim Il-jong, and you virtually slashed him in the, in the face. You smacked his face to do, and it was a, a political uh, bash at, at our leader. And I said, not guilty. I would not, I would not acknowledge that this had been done on his birthday with, with intent to insult. There was no political motive at all. Did you
0: know it, it, that
1: it even was his birthday or was that news to you? It was news to me, but we did know that festivities were being carried on. But to me, uh, the birthday of Kim Il-sung was irrelevant to me.
0: What were the others? you talked about Alan Yoon, but I know you've met many of the great saints of the Chinese church. Were there other stories of theirs that you thought about during your time in North Korea that, that kind of encouraged you and, and fed you?
1: Yes, I often thought of uh, not only those that have been arrested for their faith, not only my particular hero, Alan Yoon, but Wong Dao, Samuel Lam in the south, others who've suffered, whether Bonhoeffer in Germany or the V.O.M. Richard Wembran, Richard Wembran, thought of all of these, but they in their turn not only were imprisoned, not only suffered, but were tortured. And these things strengthen your heart and prepare you for whatever lies ahead. And so then the the day of the the court presentation, I was then taken to this particular court, a very awe-inspiring room and positioned uh, photographed, uh, movie camera here, upon me, then thumb-printed again. Every sheet had to be thumb-printed. I had to read out the confession that I had made. When the austere gentleman came in and sat under the the portraits of the of the the Kim family, I particularly. Ask for strength because I had been fasting for many days. I asked the Lord to not let my knees uh, crumble under it and uh, the Lord gave strength to stand, to walk in a long, long walk to to that court and a long walk back again. And I was not told whether it was acceptable. I was told that this was just a, a part of the procedure. So then I was taken back to my detention. I had no intimation the night before or a week before, that I would ever be released. Next morning, at six o'clock, because the guard had changed at two, the interpreter arrived and said, you better get your things together because the investigator is coming this morning at half six. So then what transpired was I was then again given another session and then... I was told the investigator himself, not the interpreter, we're going to uh, consider your release. When they were ready, I was taken then out to the quintessential uh, old fashioned black Mercedes Benz with darkened windows all around it. I was placed in the back with my interpreter and uh, the driver and then another man, a very surly gentleman in, in the front, were then taken to the airport and I, the time ticked on, but I was not permitted to join the general population. Eventually, I was taken in to the, the main uh, departure area, which is just really like a concrete floor and just benches. I was still minded, and then once all were on the airport, then I was taken to the glass door, and then finally, when the glass door opened, I was given my passport. And then could walk finally to the aircraft, which was uh, and I'd been fasting for quite a few days. And but the Lord gave strength and got on the plane. And uh, again, I repeat, the experience was surreal to be departing uh, on that on that aircraft.
0: One of the things that I'm struck by in your story is is how unfearful you were. How do you explain that?
1: I've always believed when I, as a young man of 24, when I knew the call of God, that to board a ship to the unknown world of China, the only open door to China, Hong Kong, it was a step of faith. And fear and faith cannot exist within my heart at the same time. I either feared for my self-preservation the first law of human nature, or was what I was about to embark on, was it a step of faith? Was I like Hudson Taylor? Hudson Taylor, in his first uh, entrance to China, miserably failed under the London Missionary Society. He went back. He sat at the feet of his missionary benefactor, George Mueller. And he learned not only salvation by faith, but he learned to live by faith. When we live by faith, trusting the Lord, moment by moment, fear has no room in the heart. So the only reason that I, I believe that there is no room for fear is because we're believing the Lord.
0: That's John Short telling us the riveting story of being detained for sharing his faith in Christ inside North Korea. We recorded that interview on the road to air here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. It first aired earlier this year. We wanted to revisit the story as we've been reviewing the top programs of 2016 as well. We've added new radio stations since that program aired. I wanted those listeners to hear it. It was one of the most listened to programs of Voice of the Martyrs Radio in 2016. To hear more of the story and to hear my interview with John Short's wife, Karen, visit vomradio.net. Once you get there, you can search in the search box for North Korea or for John Short. You'll be able to find those episodes that way. You can hear more stories like this in our VOM Radio archives. In fact, you can listen to every single episode of Voice of the Martyrs Radio on our website. Again, that's vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to continue reviewing the top programs of 2016. You're going to hear from a precious sister in Christ who learned to love her enemies in a very dramatic and dynamic way. I hope you'll be back with us next week here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.